You're listening to Love and War with David Harwood. This is a weekly podcast where David offers spiritual insights that are aimed to enhance your relationship with God, yourself, and others. If you are edified by what you hear, please recommend this podcast to people you love. Now, here's David. Today, let's take a look at five more blog posts from last year. Let's begin. First one, titled, Personalize God's Love. Psalm 139, verse 17a. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. So we should treasure God's thoughts. Psalm 139 celebrates God's personal attention. God knows us, concentrates upon us, sees our steps, makes plans concerning us, always watches over us. Nothing hides us from him. Nothing obscures his vision. This might make someone with a guilty conscience a bit uncomfortable. Not the psalmist. Through the righteousness of Jesus, not us either. To break it down, God loves you each and every second of your life. For those embraced in the beloved Son, God's thoughts are immediately, eternally, and ultimately motivated by his love. Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Is God everywhere? Yes. And his awareness accompanies his presence. Is he with you? Yes. He is always there, and he is always thinking of you. If that is not comforting, it is because you may have a skewed view of God's perspective. Whether we are conscious of them or unaware of them, he has individual thoughts concerning each of us. They are like individual grains of sand in a desert or on a beach. Think about the vast sum of these thoughts. Amazingly, not one of them is superfluous. In case we miss it, the psalmist was reaching for a way to convey that they are infinite in number. After all, you're going to be in God's presence forever. In every moment of eternity, you will partake of your Father's attention and creativity. This is real. So make this your present reality. Meditate on the God who meditates on you. Next post, grasping the love of God. We are dependent upon the anointing of God to experience the power to grasp Jesus' love. Knowledge of God's love can begin to be grasped and be strengthened by something that is underestimated, our minds. Intellectual apprehension can provide a good start. Our understanding has this role in many areas of life, for instance, travel. If we find out about a place we want to visit, know that it exists, and that there is a way to get there, we can act. We can pay the price and set off knowing we will ultimately arrive. Of course, knowing some place exists is different than being there. Similarly, the knowledge of God's love exists, and you can get there. What about once you arrive? When it comes to God's love, 
there are always new destinations within the boundlessness of his affections to which you are welcome to explore. Apply yourself to wisdom. Are you persuaded that Jesus loves you? Do you believe that he wants you to dwell in his love? Are you convinced that there is more of Jesus' love for you to experience? If you are certain, then you can begin to access the resources needed to arrive in that place of abiding. Do you believe he wants you to grow in the awareness of his love? Father wants to pour out his spirit upon your innermost being so you would have the power to know Jesus more. The key to abiding in Jesus is dwelling in his love and Jesus wants you to live there. Receiving the spiritual power for this to become the Ephesians' experiential reality was the point of Paul's prayer. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the Messiah's love, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Nothing we can do can make God's love experientially real to us. It takes a specific impartation of God's Spirit to the core of our souls to make this happen. This empowering can take place through faith-filled, faithful prayer. The Lord will anoint you to abide. He will enable you to abide in Jesus' love. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Next post, personalize God's love. Matthew 10, verse 30, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Here's that verse in its immediate context. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Matthew 10, verses 29 through 31. When Jesus told his disciples that the hairs of their heads were numbered, he was not trying to inform them that God knew everything. They already believed that God knew everything. What was the Messiah trying to communicate? Jesus was seeking to encourage his apostles in the beginning of their mission. They were about to bring the good news of the kingdom into a society that may be hostile to them. The majority of commentaries I have read think Jesus was saying that Father either knows about or wills or consents to the death of sparrows. 
I am convinced that the Lord was not telling his disciples to recognize God's knowledge or some extreme version of his sovereignty. Jesus was saying that his father was compassionate. Sparrows do not weaken, suffer, and die apart from father being moved with compassion. God even cares about sparrows. He is touched with the infirmities of his creation. If Father has compassion for the suffering of comparatively worthless sparrows, then it stands to reason that he cares about the smallest thing in your life, too. Imagine loving a child so much that when she is resting in your arms, you can't help but adoringly count each hair on her head. Such love, such attention to detail. Your Father in heaven loves you just like that, you are to rest in his watchful care, even in the midst of life-threatening circumstances. Depending upon the color of one's hair, there are between 100,000 to 150,000 hairs on the average person's head. It might take about 20 hours to steadily count to 100,000. That would require a lot of perseverance. You are to imagine that God loves you so much that he is doing the equivalent of a parent counting a child's hair. Compared to vital organs in a person's body, what's so important about hair? For us, it is this. He is concerned about the least important details of your life. He knows about your past, and since you love him and are called according to his purpose, he is working everything out for your good. He knows every threat and is your guard. He knows every opportunity to seek first his kingdom and is your guide. He is not to be thought of as someone who just knows everything. Your omniscient father is concentrating upon you. There is coming a day when sparrows won't fall and believers will be eternally vindicated. There will no longer be anything to weep about. Meanwhile, Father is moved with compassion when Jesus' disciples suffer or are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. You can count on him for comfort and vindication. Remember Psalm 94 verse 9's question, He who made the eye, does he not see? How about these questions? He who gave us the capacity to work, does he not labor? He who gives us the ability to study those we love, doesn't he study you? If he cares about each hair, doesn't he care about the most significant areas in your life also? Of course he does. In God's true love, I wrote, If Father has carefully counted the hairs on your head, then surely you can count on this. There is nothing that concerns you which is insignificant to him. You can count on it. Moving along, let's go to another blog post. This one is titled, So Wisely, So the Love You Want to Know. Ephesians 6, 8b, the Tree of Life version reads like this, Knowing that whatever good each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Most likely, Everyone who reads this believes in God. This God is dynamic. He acts, intervenes, and adjusts things as he relates to us. 
He sets the boundaries for this interaction. One of the primary foundations for the arena of his activities is the unchangeable law of sowing and reaping. Genesis 8 verse 22 in the New American Standard Version says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Israel's sages revealed that this has significance outside of inanimate nature. What people sow, people reap. Galatians 6, verses 6 through 10, the Tree of Life version says this, Now let the one who is taught the word share all good things with his teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he also shall reap. For the one who sows in the flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows in the Ruach, spirit, will reap from the Ruach, the spirit, eternal life. So let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good toward all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. The reason this law is at work is because God enforces it. He personally makes it happen. This has ramifications for us. If we, through faith, deliberately sow love in the lives of others, we will reap love from God. If we desire a revelation of God's love unto the Trinity, reveal your love to those you love. Show your love to family and friends. As the occasion arises, show love to your enemies. In God's true love, I wrote, When you start to deliberately sow love, your perspective of the world changes. Suddenly, everybody around you becomes an opportunity to sow the love of God so that you might receive back the same from the Lord. Admittedly, this is a difficult perspective to maintain, but the law of sowing and reaping is worthy of meditation and it's biblical. What do you need from God? Sow that in another person's life. Our emphasis is on receiving the knowledge of God's love. Do you want God to reveal his love to you in such a way that you are unshakably convinced of this truth? Find ways to reveal your love to someone you love so that the quality of your love is beyond dispute. Here's a suggested exercise. Name three ways you can sow seeds of love in a friend's life to reap a revelation of God's love for you. You can read more about this in chapter 12 of God's True Love. Our last blog post for this podcast, Love Seeks to Communicate, Tree of Life Version, John 5, verse 20a, for the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he does. Nobody has ever known God's love as deeply as Jesus. Nobody has ever received revelation from God as clearly as Jesus did. These two things are related. Everyone who expresses love desires their love to be valued by the Beloved. When the lover's affections are treasured, it encourages the one who loves to communicate more and more. Nobody ever loved God as much as Jesus. 
Nobody ever loved communication from Father as much as the Son did. Father had complete liberty in revealing the fullness of his heart's intentions to his beloved Son. In the same way, as we believe that we are loved by the Son, we become more open to receiving revelation from him. We trust. We don't fear. We desire. We don't hide. We believe that he, the supreme lover, wants to communicate and that he loves it when we love hearing from him. The key to the Messiah's receiving revelation from Father was the love Father had for the Son. John 5, verse 28, For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he does. Jesus said, Just like Father loves me, so do I love you. Abide in my love. John 15, verse 9. Through obedient faith, position yourself in his love. Expect to receive. Love and More is written and presented by David Harwood. Editing is by David and Sammy Avino, who is also the producer and technical advisor for the podcast. David is the pastor of Restoration Fellowship in Glencove, New York, and the author of the books God's True Love and For the Sake of the Fathers. To purchase copies of David's books, please go to loveofgodproject.org. The theme song for this podcast is Skirmish, from the album Combustion which was written and performed by Leonard Jones. Additional episodes of Love and War can be downloaded on the Podbean app or through iTunes. For more information on Love and War, Restoration Fellowship, God's True Love, or For the Sake of the Fathers, visit us on restorationfellowshipny.com, loveofgodproject.org, book.forthesakeofthefathers.com, or you can follow us on Facebook at Restoration Fellowship NY, Love of God Project, Love and War DH, and For the Sake of the Fathers. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email David at loveandwar underscore dh at yahoo.com. As always, please remember to share Love and War and support us by leaving a positive review on iTunes and Podbean.